Lesbian speaking. Lesbian speaking. Lesbian speaking. Lesbian speaking may contain adult content and is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Have you tried Tuckins? Uh, I know what you're thinking. Tuckins. No, these are s'mores on a stick. That's right. It's already on a stick. The marshmallow is on the outside. The good stuff is on the inside. Not only is it s'mores, but they have different flavors. You get they have peanut butter. They have cookies and cream. So good. Forget all the mess. Forget all the work. It comes right on the stick. Stick it over the fire. Toast it up and stick it right in your mouth. Go to Tuckins.com. I will have the link in this episode's description. If you use discount code LEHEYZIKS, L-E-H-E-Y-E-Z-I-K-S, you will get 20% off your order. You need to try these. These are the perfect thing to take in the backyard, perfect thing to go camping. So yummy, so delicious, and so easy. Get your Tuckins today. Four, three, two, one... Hi. I have today with me Noe, who I met on TikTok, also known as Sapien. Yes. Sapien. Is that French? Sapien. I don't know that there's a proper pronunciation. I just kind of coined it. You coined it. I would it. say. Okay. Yes. Okay. Sapien. Sort of. I mean, sort to of. me, it's going to be French because it sounds like it. Sapien. See, th- that was kind of my intent. So. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah, I'm see- not French. I'm not oh, I, French. Okay. I just, yeah, I just, it, it, yeah, the backstory behind that. I'm not French, but I um, just, I, I like to tell people I'm, I'm just another naked ape on this rock hurtling yeah. through space. Yep. And um, I was an anthropology major as an undergrad. So I just took mm-hmm. Homo sapiens, shortened it to sapien. And then I made it a little bit mm-hmm. French and a little bit more feminine yeah. um, just for stylized, stylistic purposes. Okay, so now the name just became that much more interesting, knowing the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. You you got a you got an entire degree so you can come up with a TikTok name. Yeah, I mean why yeah. why else? What? We we do exactly. it all for TikTok, right? Okay, so if I go to college I think I have a better name. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I got absolutely. You. Yes, absolutely. I'm gonna get right on that. Get right on that. Enrolling today. Uh, so I was Excellent. I was drawn to your content because you are doing a lot of educational content uh, for folks who wanted to understand more the intersex community. Yes, sure. So um, I am a woman who is intersex or has an intersex variation, um, and I had been doing volunteer work related to intersex, also known as differences of sex development, um, previously known as disorders of sex development. I'm putting those in quotes. Um, So I'm someone who's been doing volunteer work related to intersex for a number of years now. For about a decade, I've been a volunteer patient advocate at a local children's hospital here in Colorado. Okay. And additionally, I have been involved in the past with a support group um, for people who have intersex variations. And I think all of that work, you know, was really gratifying for me. It was a way to, for me to give back to these communities, um, that had given me some great care in the past, especially the support group. 
um, and had been really helpful to me. Um, but I, I think, to, to go back to answering your question, um, so I had been doing this volunteer work for several years um, and gained a lot of experiences in education as a result of it. Um, and I was looking for another way just to kind of reach out to the larger public um, outside of these smaller circles of the hospital and the, the support group. Um, and to do so just right. kind of in a fun way, to be honest. So it was a mixture of like, hey, this this could be a fun topic to talk about. I think it's relevant. I think it's important. Yeah. Um, it could be a way to reach people who aren't currently being reached, um, maybe who have an intersex variation or know someone who has an intersex variation. Alternatively, it could just be a way to educate people who don't understand what the heck this is because – um, I'm someone who didn't know what the heck it was 15, 20 years ago, to be frank. Um, right. There was a time when I did not even know I was intersex. And that I was a, I was a little bit surprised myself to see how many people mm -hmm. still didn't know what intersex was. And it is a part of mm -hmm. the alphabet, LGBTQIA. Right. And and for so many comments to pop up on your posts and say, oh, I, I didn't even know what it really was. And right. I, I think it's great to have that information in the community to know exactly what other people are going through, because how are we going to support if we, if we aren't educated on, on what is happening? So you, you spoke to, you didn't even know yourself Agreed. until. Um, well, I've, I've had a few, I had a few opportunities earlier in life where I could have, I could have been told mm -hmm. or somehow found out, but um, for various reasons did not. Um, to answer your question, I found out when I was about 30 or 31 years old. Okay. Um, so that's been well over a decade. I'm in my 40s now. Mm -hmm. um, and I found out, simply put, by going through old medical records that I had ordered up from past, past uh, doctor and hospital visits um, and uh, basically reviewing those records and seeing a diagnosis, um, I came across uh, a letter from my surgeon, a surgery that I had when I was 16 or 17, a letter from my surgeon to my gynecologist that um, described the biopsy that was done after the surgery, the surgical outcome, and um, also uh, explicitly said that she, the surgeon, had not shared my true diagnosis with me. So that was the beginning of my, the journey to my finding out the, the truth that was withheld from me previously mm -hmm. and um, getting involved in all of this intersex related stuff. Right, right. So it is possible that there could be folks who could go through their whole lives without realizing that they are yes. intersex. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. Very possible. I think it's, it's becoming less common for that to happen. Um, you know, in this day and age, um, and the standard of care in most parts of the West today is to to tell the patient, to tell the child, to tell the teen um, the information that they're capable of understanding at that time. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the new standard for care is, 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 is sharing the truth with the patient. However, at the time, the times or time that I was diagnosed, um, that wasn't the norm. Um, the norm then was don't tell the patient, don't tell the kid, don't tell the teenager anything that because it might psychologically impact them in a negative way. Right, right. 
So that's why I was not told um, when I was diagnosed. So do you feel in hindsight that you wish you would have known or do you feel your life would have gone the same regardless? Um, That's a good question. So um, I definitely wish I would have known. Okay. Um, I think anytime you get news or information, which is, you know, either hard to understand or maybe even hard to deal with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, I, I think there's nothing that can protect you from the feelings that might come up. Right. But I think that it's always better to know the truth. Um, because once you, if you have the truth, if you're armed with the truth about your own body, um, then you're able to more successfully care for yourself physically and emotionally going forward. Okay. Um, Yeah. So I was, um, I may have been diagnosed at a very young age. Um, that's still a little bit uncertain and I can go into that, um, if you're interested, but, um, I was definitely diagnosed with my intersex variation. It's called complete androgen insensitivity syndrome. I was diagnosed with that at around, I think 16 years old Mm -hmm. diagnosed. Um, and, um, I, at that point I was just told, Hey, you have twisted, uh, congenitally malformed ovaries and you don't have a uterus. So I was told, you know, that I had these twisted ovaries, um, that I didn't have a uterus and that I would never have biological children. Um, I was also told that if I didn't have these twisted ovaries removed, that I could potentially get cancer. So um, they scheduled a surgery. But that's that was the plan for my care, was just giving me this very limited, actually incorrect, inaccurate information, mm-hmm. and then sending me off to surgery. Um, no psychosocial care, nothing else was planned or provided, and no disclosure of what my actual diagnosis was. Right. Um, had I been told the full truth, then A, I would have been able to at some point reach out and find other members of the community with similar variations and mm-hmm. similar experiences that I could have, you know, sought support from. Um, B, had I known the truth, I also would have been able to um find the correct doctors and healthcare for treating someone and for treating someone's long-term health like myself and being able to able to take care of myself, been able to take care of my physical health as well. So things like my, my bones, my bones, et cetera, et cetera. So not having the full truth, I wasn't able to do those things. That Yeah. That's interesting that you bring that up. So the folks who, who don't fully know what intersex is, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, without going into your own, you know, personal, because I don't want you to divulge anything you're not comfortable with. But the the typical terminology of intersex means this. Yeah. So um, you'll hear different definitions from different people, but intersex is a general term um, that's meant to describe people or those of us who have a difference or some variation uh, of the body that makes us considered or makes that that part of our body considered atypical or not typical for male or female. Um, and some of those variations or differences can include your chromosomes um, or your DNA, 
the, it can affect the external genitals. Um, it can be a difference or variation in your internal reproductive anatomy, or it can be uh, a difference or variation in sex in what, what are considered your sex hormones or the effect of those sex hormones on the body. So it's kind of those four areas, chromosomes or DNA, external genitalia, internal reproductive anatomy, and then hormones. So those of us, just to restate it again, those of us who are intersex um, have a bodily difference, which is considered not typical for male or typical for female. Right, right. Does that help? Absolutely, yes. Yes, and, and everyone's, um, well, not everyone's, uh, the intersex um, variations can cause or lead to completely different um, outwardly or, as you said, like the bones or things like that, different symptoms that each person has, depending yes. on what variation they have. Yes, right. absolutely. Yeah, there are dozens of different intersex variations or um, I think I mentioned earlier differences of sex development. Mm-hmm. Um, there are dozens of different kinds um, I'm someone who has, as, as I believe I mentioned, complete androgen insensitivity syndrome. And, and I'm, I, I'm very candid and open about um, my own difference. So in my case, externally, I appear typically female. Mm-hmm. Um, but internally, I had testes, which are typically what males have or men have. Right. Testes. Right. So I had internal testes instead of ovaries. I didn't have a uterus and I've never had a uterus, so I've never had a period. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in my case, because I'm androgen insensitive, my testes were producing androgen or testosterone. Okay. Um, and my body was not capable of taking that testosterone and really doing anything with it. So my body didn't masculinize. Instead, it used that androgen or testosterone. Mm-hmm. It converted all of that unused androgen into estrogen okay which is which is um a thing that a lot of people's bodies do okay um, whether you're intersex or not and um it made me feminine or look feminized right um so i was born looking typically female Mm -hmm. and um still i believe look um typically female Mm -hmm. um but I have XY chromosomes and I used to have testes. Right. So, which is interesting that you, you speak to the, um, you know, the estrogen side of it and all of this chemically, how humans really are made up of both of these things. That's how you start out and mm-hmm. your body is made up of these two things. And one just really takes power over another, right? It's a do mm-hmm. easy science lesson. <laughs> one takes power right. over the other. Um, for each person. But when we're talking, we're getting into this talk of gender specifically is what I'm leading to is this is where we say there's all of these different fine lines of gender because you could have a difference in this chemical reaction in your body, which has nothing to do with the, the parts. The parts may be making chemicals that are battling the other parts and creating you to be that other gender that you are not born with. So, which is completely different than intersex. That's where we get into the whole, what, what could be the science background of (laughs) (laughs) theorizing, right? Um, 
But for you, when this happened at 30, where you found out this information, was it like a big mm-hmm. light bulb going, oh, well, no wonder all of this difference and all that? Yeah, it in a lot of ways it was. Um, so when I found those medical records, when I found that letter uh, from my surgeon to my doctor, there definitely was a light bulb. I mean, there was also a lot of shock. Mm-hmm. Um, I was extremely shocked. Um, I, I didn't have an inkling. I didn't know what androgen insensitivity syndrome was. I did not know that what intersex was or that people could be intersex. Um, but yeah, definitely a light bulb moment for me because, um, you know, I, I started to think back to my surgery, for example, mm-hmm. when I, when right. I had my testes removed, I thought I was instead having ovaries removed, um, I thought back to that. I thought back to um, the occasional Google searches that I did in the years after that, looking for other young women who had had um, their ovaries removed at a at a young age and not finding those people, not finding those women women, and kind of realizing it it made sense that I didn't find those women. Right. Um, also, I mean, there were things. Uh, from earlier during my childhood and teen years that that also made sense um, when learning that I was intersex. So not having a period, I never had a period, I think I mentioned. So Mm -hmm. that suddenly made sense. Um, Some other more subtle things made sense. Um, So for example, I I don't have any underarm hair really. Um, So, you know, I have a little peach fuzz there. and, And so those of us who have complete androgen insensitivity syndrome we typically don't get a lot of that, what's considered androgenic hair. Okay. So pubic hair, underarm hair, um, that's at least in part a product of testosterone. Okay. Androgen. Um, so I never really got those things and just attributed it to being Asian. I'm For people who are listening to this podcast, I'm, I'm half Asian. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't see that, but I'm half Asian. Um, attributed that to being Asian. Right. Um, but that wasn't the case. Right. So there were, you know, big things and small things that it kind of, yeah, it, there was definitely a light bulb moment for me. Right, right. And uh, then did you immediately, once you found out, go out and, and seek out that community? Now that you knew, mm-hmm. you, reaching out and finding others that have, have been through what you've been through. Yeah, um, so I didn't immediately, I spent a couple of weeks just doing a little bit of research, just trying to figure out what the heck this this term was right. um, that I came across and what it meant. Um, I spent a couple of weeks asking myself questions like, am I really a guy? Does this make me a, a man? And I just never realized it. So there was a lot of existential angst and questioning I was doing. Um, I also reached out to my best friend um, and and told him what I discovered. And I got just like instant support from him. He really told me what I needed to hear, which which was like, one, I get that this is a big deal to you and that this must be hard. But two, it doesn't change how I see you. Right. Um, so that's exactly what I needed to be to to hear, to be frank. Um, it was after that point that I did work up the courage to, to find a, a group, uh, mm-hmm. support group, um, and reached out to them. 
And and I assume that their stories were similar yet very different to yours. Yeah, um, for a lot of um, there are a lot of women, well, people, but I'll I'll, I'll just say specifically for this uh, example, women. There are a lot of women who have the same or very similar intersex variation as I do, who have very similar stories, especially okay. people in their forties and up. You know, people who maybe knew a little bit, but were not told the whole truth. People who had surgeries that they didn't fully understand. Um, people who kind of grew up not having the same milestones or maybe even feeling different in some cases. Right. Um, and then finding out later in life. Um, so it was fantastic to be able to reach out to that network, to reach out to that support group mm -hmm. and, and talk to and engage with other women, first of all, who, you know, had very similar experiences and stories to mine. Um, and then, of course, there were in that same group, there were other people with different variations right. um, that I'd never heard of who had very different stories than mine. Um, but I think the commonality was, unfortunately, a lot of shame and stigma, feeling mm -hmm. a lot of shame and stigma, um, not being told the truth right. uh, at various points in life. Um, a lot of them, unfortunately, had surgeries which impacted the external genitalia mm -hmm. um, and sexual sensation. Right. Um, and people with just a lot of trauma physically and emotionally. Yes. Yes. And so, those um, those stories were a lot of these surgeries gone wrong, for um, lack of a better term. But a lot of those happened many years ago, correct? And they're, I hope, getting better about their knowledge and what to and what not to do to help. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would like to think so. Um, I, I think, I, I think um, experiences kind of vary based on where you are in the world right. um, and the time frame. Um, so what I can, what I can say just in general, some broad brushstrokes is many, many years ago before um, people often and routinely went to, to the doctor and to the hospital, a lot of surgeries were not done. Mm -hmm. um, and people just lived their lives with these differences. At least many people did right. live their lives with these differences. But then um, come 20th century, um, when it was a lot more um, accessible to receive healthcare, which is good in a lot of ways, right? Mm -hmm. um, but with that came, I think, unfortunately, a lot of unnecessary um, surgical interventions and a lot of really disastrous outcomes, yes. unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and a lot of physical and, and mental and emotional trauma as a result, absolutely. Um, as far as today um, and in the last several years, um, a lot of those, what I would consider um, medically, probably medically unnecessary surgeries, they, they still do happen. I, I don't believe they happen with the prevalence that they, they used to, um, because I think that society has changed, medicine has changed, so I think we're going in the right direction. But um, are we where we probably should be? Probably right, not. Right, right. I, uh, at least I would like to think that we are more of an understanding of you can't really force there was a documentary, I don't even remember what it was called. It was quite a few years ago that I watched it, where um, someone had physically felt that they were male, but they were told you're female. Mm -hmm. 
and we're going to make you female. And they were doing all of the um, developing as a male, not as a female, um, but still being told you're female um, because you have the female body parts and, Mm. but was not growing breasts, was um, growing facial hair, was going, and was like, I don't understand why people keep telling me. And then they were pushing transgendered. Well, you must be transgendered. No, I don't, I don't feel like I'm transgendered. Like I look at me, (laughs) but it turned out that Mm -hmm. yes, that was an individual who, when they were young, uh, was surgically treated for being intersex improperly um, and very improperly. Mm And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, unfortunately those are the stories that we hear as a society is, oh, the doctor went in and tried to go fix it. And it's like, maybe there's nothing to fix. Right. right. Yeah. And, right. and in your case, had you not had the surgery, would it really have made a difference in your life? Um, so in my case, with my particular variation of complete androgen insensitivity syndrome, um, the, the incidence or the risk of, um, getting, of developing cancer in particular during or prior to puberty is that the, the risk is very low. The risk of getting cancer with my variation is very low, right? Okay. Um, so... I know many women, or I should say people, I know many people with my variation who have never had surgery and and maybe never will surgery, or maybe never will, excuse me, have surgery, mm-hmm. um, and have not experienced any risk of cancer. Um, but really, it de- kind of depends on what variation you have, okay. what intersex variation you have, you know, what your risk for cancer is, and, and what the... Um, recommendation is for surgical removal or not had they not in my case had they not removed my testes um, I feel like I would have had a more positive health trajectory because my body still would have had its own mechanism natural mechanism for creating sex hormones which would have also kept my overall physiology um, healthy going forward so things like um, when your te- when your testes, your ovaries, or, or whatever um, gonads you have, when those are removed, um, there's generally a negative impact to things like your bone density. Mm-hmm. So in my case, I developed osteopenia as a young adult, which is um, the stage just before um, just before osteoporosis. Right. Um, and I would attribute that decrease in bone density to my not having enough. Uh, of those sex hormones being um, enough of those of those sex hormones coursing throughout my body. It's, it's really interesting to think of how that you, you think that these are completely different things in your body, but it <laughs> right. all works together in such a fine line that yeah, one thing right. can topple the whole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, hormones are complex, right? Mm-hmm. And just very, very tight, minute, minute um, amounts of, chemicals have a big impact on our physical health and also our mental health. Um, I I feel like I, I'm uncertain for myself, but I know other women with my variation, with my intersex variation, who after having their testes removed, say they never have felt the same um, as far as their, their mood, their emotions, um, 
their level of sexual desire um, or sexual satisfaction, they all, a lot of them report a, a decline in those things after mm-hmm. having the testes removed. Right, right. Which would make sense because it is overall, you know, an organ for them, right? Right. Um, right. Whether it be ovaries or testes, that's mm-hmm. essentially what it's there to help you do. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And with that, I just, I still can't make sense of it myself that the doctor would want to remove ovaries, even if they thought that they were ovaries to begin with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because me, I had a partial hysterectomy and I kept my ovaries mm-hmm. for the reasons mm-hmm. that you're explaining, because it mm-hmm. does have this physical topple if you remove those things. Right. right. And they do give, give you the choice. Like, okay, you could someday get cancer, but really anything is known to cause cancer in California. So as mm-hmm. long as I stay out of California, <laughs> I think I'll be okay. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's the cure. Yeah. That's the cure. That's the cure. Elite. Yeah. yeah. Stay out of California. Yeah. Sorry to the Californians. Yeah. So sorry you guys as, <laughs> as they pack and move. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, it's, it's a little bit um, of a mystery. Uh, at the same time, I, I kind of, uh, I, I kind of understand the logic behind why they've removed them. I, I think at the time, the, the data that probably existed within mm. medicine overall was like, hey, there is some risk of cancer if we don't remove those things, if we don't remove those, right. those testes, which, you know, are stuck inside of the body instead of, you know, to, to be a little crass, like dangling outside of the body, where right. they quote unquote should be. Mm-hmm. I think the medical literature thinking at the time was those need to be removed because there's some unknown cancer risk. So I think there was that. And then also just, frankly, just kind of a, a social, a general um, prevailing social attitude. Oh. Like, hey, she looks like a woman. Why, why would those things, those things that are not ovaries are not necessary. Mm-hmm. So they they saw some discord between how I looked and and part of my anatomy, and they wanted to quote unquote fix the discord there. So there's some social attitudes at play too. Yeah, I've se- I've heard of uh, a few stories where the parents were not even involved, such as your parents, um, not involved in the true decision because they were not informed. And that I assume you found record that they. Uh, the doctors knew before the surgery. Yeah. Um, the doctors knew before the surgery um, and they performed a karyotype, I believe at that time too. a karyotype for those um, who aren't familiar is um, a genetic test, which tells you how many chromosomes you have. And then specifically um, what your sex chromosomes look like. Are you 46 XY? Mm-hmm. Are you 46 XX? Are you 45X with no additional sex chromosome? And there are other variations as well. Um, so I, I was definitely found to be 46XY mm-hmm. at that point. Um, and I'm sure that imaging revealed the lack of a, a uterus. I, I can't say whether they could tell they were testes or not until they did the surgery. Right, right. Um, so I'm not certain about that. But um, they knew more than I was told. Um uh, my mother was present and I believe she must have been informed, but to what extent she, you know, fully understood and kind of comprehended mm-hmm. um, what she was told. I, I don't know. Right. Unfortunately. Right. Okay. 
Yeah, it's but she must have had some level of information. Yes. And I could I could completely understand not knowing what it all means because mm-hmm. you know, think twenty years ago, thirty years ago, um where doctor comes to you and says, Hey, your child's chromosomes are this and the bodily right. is this and we have that and you're like, I don't know, just make sure she's okay. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> make sure she's okay. Um Yeah. Yeah, but that that's what parents want is they just want their kids to be okay. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, most parents want that. Yeah, exactly. So. I think also that um through the the genetic markers that they've learned since then. I mean, watching TikToks, um <laughs> but they've learned <laughs> since then that genetic markers are not necessarily something that can say which gender you are. They they thought that it was full gender markers, but now is it really? Is that true science for everybody? It's I mean it's great for for most people. It works for most people. Like your DNA says this and then you're this, right? But for for what I've seen um on TV and heard in stories and things like that for intersex community is it it can be even more swayed this way or that way. And I don't know, and maybe you can help me. This is where I'm getting at. Can it change? Not the, not the um, chromosomal markers, but can your the way that your gender feels change if you are to keep all of those um, pieces of you? Mm-hmm. Is it possible for you to, to change? Like maybe you felt like a girl in youth, and then as you got into your 30s, maybe you started to feel like male. No. So when you ask, could your gender change? Um, when you say gender, are you referring to kind of just how how you feel or your psychology, your identity, or your identity, yes. like your gender yes. identity? Um, I mean, I, I'm definitely not a gender expert. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I know a lot about intersex, but I'm not a a, a gender expert. Um, I think you're asking fantastic, a fantastic set of questions. I think that we, we could spend, you know, many hours just talking about what is gender, what is gender identity. And, um, you know, the, the biggest question in my mind right now is what does it mean to feel female? What does it mean to feel male? It's true. I'm yeah. not, I'm not sure I can answer that. Um, I mean, I can speak from personal experience and say that, um, even though I don't know what it really means to feel female, I've never felt not at home in my own body. I've right. always felt okay with looking and presenting very female. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always felt okay there. To, to get back to your question about whether gender identity can change, um, if I just put on the lens of intersex for a moment, someone's hormones become... Um, effective in a different way at different points of life. Okay. And that can lead to variations or changes both in the the physical body and in um, the psychology and in the gender identity. So one of those, just as an example, Mm -hmm. is 5-alpha reductase deficiency. Okay. 5-ARD. And not always, but often someone with that variation can be born looking typically female and can seem to not 
have any um, issue presenting as female and being identified as a female. And then often those individuals at puberty, their bodies will start to masculinize mm -hmm. and their gender identities will often change from female to male. Right. Right. Um, with that specific variation. Um, so that's one example of, of that happening with people who have an intersex variation. Mm -hmm. um, I guess of the, the population who is not intersex, I mean, I, I'm sure people, some people will describe their gender identity changing, um, but I myself don't know a lot about that. Right. So I probably can't speak to that. Right. It is interesting, though, when you... Um when you think about that as, as a possibility that it is um, something beyond transgender that we know, mm -hmm. then it maybe other people can have an understanding that there are medical reasons that things happen to people. You know? <laughs> mm -hmm. And maybe right. we should judge people less based upon what they're going through. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. It would be great if there were a lot more compassion mm -hmm. in general, um, compassion and, and um, attempts to understand rather than, to condemn exactly yeah and things that people don't have control over so yeah absolutely. Yeah. and i'm sure you've um heard of some stories within the communities where there may have been um i say bigoted um towards folks and things that they've gone through with their community and such or um is do you have anything that like sticks out to you that's Oh, so many stories. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I know so many people who've just had a really um, rough experience while growing up. Through my work at, a, at an area children's hospital, I, I know many teens um, and young adults who um, have gotten bullied in school, just as an example, because their their voices were different or they were taller or shorter or more masculine looking or more feminine looking than, than their peers. Um, and bullying, unfortunately, in those scenarios is, is really common. Right. Um, as one example. I think that's, I think that's a great example, uh, especially in today's day and age where we like to think that we have a society that has become more sensitive to these mm -hmm. issues However, these things still happen. We still have the bullies out there. Mm -hmm. And um, it's still where pe different people are getting treated different. And mm -hmm. it's a little, for me, it's disappointing that the youth of today um, aren't improving in that. <laughs> they don't, seemingly, I mean, obviously, right. I don't know firsthand. I know off of what I see on the internet, what people tell me. And, you know, people at work and they talk about their kids at school and this one's getting bullied and that one's getting picked on. I'm like, mm -hmm. when does it stop? Why? Why do we put such negative energy? I didn't even understand that as a kid myself. Right. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. No, it, it does. That, yeah. Some things just seem to stay the same. And I think with, um, I mean, I think the internet and social media, I mean, I, I think they're great, but I think Unfortunately, there are more venues for bullying as well now, more means to bully um, outside of the classroom even. Um, but I, I think just going back to, while I think of it, just going back to your original question about um, 
negative experiences growing up. I think a lot of people who have an intersex variation or are intersex um, don't necessarily have a difference that's detectable just by looking at them on the street or in the classroom mm -hmm. or in the workplace. And I think a lot of us have differences, you know, that are hard to detect. Right. Um, which you could say in some ways, um, those of us who have harder to detect differences, in, in some ways we're lucky because we can navigate the, the day, we can navigate our lives um, um, with less overt bullying and, and, and segregation for the most part. Right. But I think those of us, um, I think we still kind of carry with us often this, this um, fear of being found out mm -hmm. or this fear of, um, of having that difference detected or, or feared or, um, or, or shamed about it um, in certain situations like involving intimacy, let's say, right. um, like romantic or physical intimacy, involving going to the doctors, mm -hmm. um, involving a lot of other, you know, aspects of life that I think typical people who don't have these differences can kind of navigate without thinking about right. so much. Well, I think you've, so. you've described the, you know, be, being able to just fit in, right. And being mm -hmm. able to pass, it passes mm -hmm. the best because mm -hmm. that ties directly to the lesbian world, right. Where you have these uh, feminine lesbians who pass mm -hmm. quote unquote. And I understand who passes straight. Yeah. Who passes straight. And I mm -hmm. understand, you know, the big difference is, yeah, you can see me coming from a mile away and <laughs> I'm like, I can't hide it. There's a, I just am what I am. At the same time, um, those who pass get all the time where they ha are, are being approached or, mm -hmm. um, have people that they meet that are like, tell us about your boyfriend or, you know, all this kind of stuff. That's another kind of uncomfortable. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what you're describing is that it's another kind of uncomfortable. Like we all are going through something in the community and that's, that's exactly what you're describing is that same. We have other stuff that's uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. That's a yeah. great way to put it too. Just like an, another type of uncomfortable. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it is. Cause I can completely understand um, going to, especially getting new doctors and needing to explain to them, I'm in the VA system, Absolutely. so I get new doctors all the time. I couldn't imagine, my, as it is, I have to explain what I go through with my medical stuff. And to add that mm -hmm. would be, oh, <laughs> and you don't mm -hmm. know who the doctor is and what their knowledge is. And yeah, you yep. understand that going through that could be really uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely. And in some cases, unfortunately, discrimination um, mm. is possible. So you brought up the VA and that kind of jogged memory of um, I have a friend who, of course, I won't mention their name, but I have a friend who um, really wanted to enter the armed forces, specifically mm. the Navy. And um, she was denied access um, because of defect in genitalia. I'm putting that in scare quotes. Defect yeah. In genitalia. Which has um, absolutely nothing to do with being on a ship, right? It, right. Yeah. Or, or her performance in that role. So is extremely frustrating and, and, and hard for her, mm -hmm. um, at that time. But, you know, um, 
she survived through that and is doing something else now. Yeah. Um, but, you know, was that the right thing to keep her out for that reason because of her variation that would not impact her job right. at all? I can imagine. Um, that, I don't think that was the right thing to do no. for them to deny her entry. No. And it's one of those things where they would say, well, it's because of the medical expenses. And it's like, yeah, but you let people in with other stuff that you pay for. <laughs> All right. So what's, and oh, let's talk about the families that we create. That we, <laughs> you pay for the kids there. <laughs> anyway. Right, right. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I'm glad that the armed force is getting to a place where they more so understand and accept. At the same time, I fear the day where they pull things back and say, okay, mm. never mind, you know, um, but I'm right. just I, kidding. Yeah. I'm in that mindset because, you know, that's what I went through when I was there. So I don't have the, the best positive mindset when it comes to that. Mm. Yeah. What do you mean when you went through where you're there, like the, a backwards going backwards yes. in, in rules or strategy? Yes. Yeah. I was in during don't ask, don't tell. Um, oh, and I right, got booted right. because of don't ask, don't tell. So right, they're right. like, it's okay. We're fine. But wait, not you. It's always, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Don't say, don't, don't talk too loudly. Mm -hmm. Just, just pretend that you're not who you are. Yeah. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. We'll ask you about it later when you don't talk about it, but right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so do you have, uh, any particular knowledge base that you came with and said, I want to come here and I want to specifically educate people on this fact or this thought process when it comes to the intersex community? I would say, first of all, that, you know, people with intersex variations or people who are in intersex, um, we're all very, very different. And I'm not just talking about a range of variations or conditions or right. differences. I'm, I'm talking about, you know, we're all different in various ways, whether that be, you know, psychosocial, um, cultural, socioeconomics. So there's not sort of, I guess, one monolithic, all-encompassing intersex community. Right. I think intersex, um, I would say first, you know, intersex is a physical or a biological thing mm -hmm. um, or umbrella term that used to describe a lot of potential differences. And when I say a lot, I mean dozens right. and dozens. Right. And all types of people and, and people that look and think all different ways. So there's a lot of diversity there. So I think the first thing to do would be to recognize that, you know, there's a lot of diversity there, A. Um, and B, everyone's story is going to be different. Um, so I think one of the things I would encourage people to do is um, first to just go out and try to get some education and some understanding on what intersex is. Mm -hmm. um, and there are some uh, specific resources that I'm happy to share with you, Lee, um, after the podcast that maybe you can put a link to yes. that kind of describe like, hey, what is this biologically speaking? Like, well, you know, what sort of examples are there? Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, people who want to get their heads around the biology, mm -hmm. that literature exists out there on the web and is accessible um, and really interesting too. Right. So I think that's A. I think B, probably the the most important thing to do is to really just kind of familiarize yourself with like what you can do to support 
um, and advocate for people who have one of these differences. Right. Um, and, you know, and some of that is just education and awareness, um, familiarizing yourself with terminology, what the, the, what terms to use, what terms not to use. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, going back to my earlier statement about just how diverse we all are, I think just recognizing that everyone's story is going to be different. Right. Um, when you meet somebody who has an intersex variation or has maybe a family member or friend with intersex variation, just being very, when you're, when you're interacting with them, I think just being really sensitive and, um, accepting of the fact that some people may want to talk a lot about it. Uh-huh. Some people may not want to talk about it. It depends on their comfort level. Right. And kind of the rule of thumb that I always use in talking to anyone about anything, which is potentially sensitive, is don't ask them something that you wouldn't be comfortable being asked yourself. Right. I mean, maybe that's not the best. That's one potential rule of thumb. So, for example, um, if someone were to say, hey, I have an intersex variation or, hey, I'm intersex, your next question probably shouldn't be like, what's what's in your pants? Right. Right. Yeah. Because you wouldn't ask, you know, a, a typical man or woman out on the street, you wouldn't ask just, you know, anyone out there or even a friend, you wouldn't, that, that wouldn't be the first question you ask them. So I think there right. are things like that. There's advice like that that I would give. And there's also sp- specific resources that I can um, share with the audience through through links on your podcast if, if they're interested. Perfect. Um, with regards to like the language that you use, um, you know, which is sensitive and inclusive and um, non-stigmatizing. So I think there's um, advice I'd give as far as just the language use and interactions. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also, there are also resources that I can share with regards to advocacy. And when I say advocacy, I mean, speaking up or taking action and giving support based on certain um, certain really important objectives when it comes to people who have intersex variations. Right. And a big, a big one of those is social mm-hmm. and just making sure that, you know, that um, workplaces, organizations, that society is more inclusive and accepting of differences. So I think that's part of it. And another part of it, um, relates to the medical right. community and medical decisions, which I know you know a lot about just based on our conversation here. Um, there are a lot of practices still occurring, unfortunately, mm-hmm. in, in some med- parts of the medical community today, which are not great. Right. Um, and which involve um, surgical or other medical interventions on children and teens. Mm-hmm. Um, that don't involve the opinion or participation of those children or teens. Right. Um, so I think people who want to advocate that those um, not happen, mm-hmm. um, there are definitely resources out there that I would point them to as well. Right. Let's take a break to do a little ad time for me. That's right. I have to pay the bills on this podcast. Crazy talk. But guess what? I am setting up some content on my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash lesbian speaking. If you go and sign up for $5 a month, you're going to get some exclusive sneak peek stuff on me, my everyday life. 
uh, the backside of what I do here on the podcast. And you know what? Probably just the dog sitting around. Who knows? But go and check it out. It is patreon.com forward slash lesbian speaking. I mean, here it is. It is barbecue season. And have you been to a barbecue and thought, what are you doing with your meat? Nobody likes to put plain old meat in their mouth. Are you kidding me? You want to spice it up? Get you some Dano seasoning and that will get you some tasty, delicious meat that you really want to put in your mouth. If you want to get some Danos, go to danoseasoning.com forward slash R-E-F forward slash lesbian speaking. Get yours today. Yummy. Understanding that it... Everybody has their own journey and their own story, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but is is there a thought process on there's an age where it's appropriate that the child say, okay, I do or I don't want to mm-hmm. do this? Or is it, could you be hurting right. them further if you delay it or depending on the instance or what they're going through? Or is it really just a stigma thing? Can we just let it hang out right. for until they're old enough to decide for themselves? I wish I had a a simple answer. I I think some people would say the answer is very simple. Mm -hmm. Um, So let me think about how to answer this question. No, see, it's good that you say there's no simple, right? Because that's exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. There's not going to be a simple answer. Yeah. So I personally, this is me personally speaking, Mm -hmm. I don't feel like there's a one size fits all black and white answer right. to these very complex questions. And like you said, everyone is different. Right. Um, every case is different. If I'm just even thinking medically or biologically, every individual, every case, everyone's health situation is different. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um, if I'm speaking personally and in broad brushstrokes, I would say I'm someone who believes that a, The most important principle that I really um, push for is that children and teens um, should always have the truth and um, should always know the truth about their own bodies and their their own health, their own bodies, their own intersex variations. Now, they should be told that in a way which is age appropriate. Mm -hmm. So, for example, telling a two-year-old child you have – um, you have a uh, Swire syndrome, like that doesn't mean anything to a two-year-old child. Right. Right. Um, but telling, you know, telling a two-year-old child like, Hey, you know, not, a, not everyone has a place to grow a baby or maybe telling a five-year-old child, I don't know what the right age is. Right. Telling yeah. a young child. Yeah. Giving them some bit of the story or information and then building on that over time mm-hmm. um, is a value that I really believe in. Mm-hmm. Um, So I would say I'm answering your question in a roundabout way, but one principle that I believe in is, you know, always providing the truth Mm -hmm. to, to children, teens, uh, children and teens as they, as they grow and develop. Um, And also involving them. The other principle I believe in is involving them in the decision-making process when it comes to their own health. Right. Um, Whether that be, um, hormonal intervention, surgical intervention, mm-hmm. um, just other sorts of healthcare. I think they always need to be involved and feel some sense of autonomy. Mm-hmm. 
um, and, and to feel like their voices are being heard. Right. Um, as far as, as far as, um, going back to kind of, um, what the, one of the core parts of your questions, um, big major medical decisions like surgery, um, and whether or not there is an age or there are ages at which um, those should happen or a child can make those decisions, I, I, I don't know what the answer is. Um, although personally speaking, I would like to live in a world where major medical um, interventions don't happen until someone, until an individual is an adult or at an age where they can be much more certain around what the long-term impact for them and the, the long-term consequences for them of any um, medical intervention like a surgery. Like I, ideally, I think we wait until an individual is an adult um, in the perfect world. Right. Um, but whether or not there are consequences on waiting, I think it kind of depends on that person's psychology on that person's body. It's very complex. Absolutely. It's very complex. Um, and I should, I, I, I think I would be remiss if I didn't mention that there's a very um, strong voice out there or there are strong voices out there um, from people who are intersex like myself, who are really pushing hard to, um, they're really pushing hard for legislation in the United States and in other parts of the world as well mm -hmm. to make all quote unquote, non-medically necessary surgeries on intersex youth and children um, to babies and, and children and teens to be illegal. Okay. Um, until they come to a certain age. Right. Now what the age is going back to your original question, <laughs> mm -hmm. what that age is, I think it's, I, I'm not sure that I, I have a good answer right. on what that is. I think it kind of varies depending on the, the individual. Yeah. Some people would say it's 18. Some people would say uh, it's around 15, 16. Mm -hmm. Some people say parents know best and, um, you know, the parent knows their child best and what that child is, what's going to serve that child best as, as they age. But I mean, I think ultimately really only the individual is going to know that. Right. And it's going to take time for them to know that and what, that individual may want may also change over time. So right. it becomes very complicated. Yes. Yes. Which I mean, is, which is important. I mean, saying all these different factors that come into play, uh, not just, not just all of this, uh, you know, is it safe? Is it not safe? But mm -hmm. if you have a child who as a result of being intersex is identifying as one gender, but then starts um, maturing into having these other yep. things because of having that biology in there could be a big issue. Mm -hmm. So, and then we're talking at a very young age then where you can't wait till adulthood to, you know, stop some of these things like the deep voice, for instance. Right. Mm -hmm. um, right. If you can stop that at a younger age, then it's not going to happen. Um, and that's where I think in my opinion, that where we give this hard line to say 18 and that's it. I'm like, but wait, mm -hmm. we're going to hurt all of these people who are going to go through the wrong type of puberty. Um, right. The, the type that they don't want. Right. Right. So it's uh, all of these. 
theories and thoughts and so many things that I think people don't think about, which are important discussions to have. And as you say, with legislation being discussed, it is important that people become more knowledgeable about these things. Mm-hmm. let's think if, if it ever comes up on a ballot someday, right? How are you going to be able mm-hmm. to decide which way you're going to pick on here if you don't even know about the issue or how it affects people? Yeah, it's, it's complex. And, you know, we also don't live in a perfect world Mm-mm. where people, you know, treat each other well, uh, regardless of, of how someone looks or how someone sounds or how someone you know, behaves, if it's in dis- discord with what we might expect or, or quote unquote, want to see, um, we don't always treat each other well. So we, yeah, we don't live in this sort of free and open, so we, we don't live in the totally accepting society that I wish we did. Right. Um, and I think these issues get more complicated when you bring in um, cultures um, and even faiths in some cases that are um, a lot more black and white mm-hmm. as far as a lot more binary thinking, a lot more um, non-accepting right. of of uh, of different of bodily differences, of gender expression differences. I think it becomes more complicated. And I should say, when I say when you bring in cultures, I'm not talking about bringing them in to the country. I'm talking about bringing in cultures and face different cultures different face into the the scenario right just the general scenario right um yeah a lot of a lot of uh sorry i'm going off i I could go off on a tangent but i'm yeah a a lot of uh a lot of um complexity Mm -hmm. to manage yes yes the instances that i had become aware of in um you know, the programs and such that I watched were, mm-hmm. um, honestly, had we not had these gender rules, would they ever have gone through any medical changes whatsoever? Right. If, if, if it was okay for a woman to have a beard, right. Mm-hmm. When we just leave it alone. So we're doing right. these extreme things to our bodies because society says this is what you have to look like. This is what you have mm-hmm. to sound like. And and at some point, it's like, wait, why can't people just be what they were born to be? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're right. Mm-hmm. Right. Without trying to fix things that, that don't need to be fixed for physical health reasons. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, with your with your journeys and all of the work that you've done, mm-hmm. is there anything that you stood out to be yourself like a um, the proudest moment where you were able to educate people and maybe kind of uh, help somebody or help their family? So I think what I feel a lot of um, pride or at least gratitude mm-hmm. for um, as far as the work that I've done probably centers around my volunteer work related to um, interacting with patients and their families at children's hospitals, uh, both here in Colorado and then in other parts of the United States. Um, So specifically when I talk about those interactions, um, I meet with 
patients. I meet with their families. So I meet with young children, babies, teens. I meet with their their parents, their siblings, mm-hmm. their grandparents, etc. Um, and I share my story of growing up and, and having an intersex variation. Um, and I try to allay some of the fears that they have about mm. their child growing up with a bodily difference, right. growing up intersex. Um, and I think the the I I've gotten a lot of joy from those experiences themselves because I see in many cases those families, those kids, those teens, just really feeling less stress, less anxiety, less fear over right. the future right. because they're able to meet with someone like myself. It doesn't have to just be me, but, you know, they're able to meet with somebody who has um, an, an intersex variation as well and see like, hey, this person is okay. Right. They're healthy. They're happy. They're, um, they've gotten through life and, you know, feel good about it, feel good about having a difference. Um, and, you know, my kid can too, or I can too, if, you know, if, if it's a child or teen, like I can be okay too. Right. And I think to me, it's very, very gratifying to have those interactions and then to also get, you know, whether it be weeks later or years later, I get really great, wonderful feedback from those families Mm -hmm. and from those kids and those teens when they get older and say like, Hey, I just want to let you know that meeting you was incredibly helpful um, in my feeling better about my situation, right. feeling better about life. Right. So I think to me, I, I, I take a lot of enjoyment and satisfaction from that mm-hmm. impacting people in a positive way. Right. And it's, it's great that you say that because that's why people get their message out on platforms such as TikTok, mm-hmm. right. Is, mm-hmm. um, cause we don't, we don't want you to think that you're the only one who's going through it, the only one who's been through right. it, and to see that community. So once again, we'll point folks, um, if they want to know more of the science-based facts, um, over to the TikTok at Sapien. Go check it out. Yes. Um, you've Have you done one in a while? It's been a while. Has I it? haven't done one for a while. It's, yeah. it's been a while. I should get back into it. Yeah, you should. It was, it was garnering a, a lot of... Uh, positive feedback and to receive the knowledge. I mean, like I said, a lot of people know that there's an I in the alphabet. They just don't know what it entirely means or describes. So um, being armed with that knowledge, I think is knowledge is power, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Especially for those who may have friends or family that are going through this, that they can better understand and know things not, not to talk about. Right. Cause Mm -hmm. you did talk about the really, what should be obvious, what's in your pants, right? So mm-hmm. what are what are other things that are like, oh, don't ask me that. Let's n- not get into that. Yeah, so, um, I mean, I think just to piggyback off of that for a second, so I think mm-hmm. everyone has a different comfort level around what they're willing to share, what they're not willing to share. I think, um, and it, that's not even just exclusive to, to anatomy. Right. You know, it might even be experiences. Um, so I think just, I think, you know, if you have a friend or a family member or a coworker or someone who you happen to find out, you know, that they are somehow affected by, maybe that's the wrong word, but uh, that they themselves are intersex or know someone who's intersex, I would just say just 
being an ear, being a willing, accepting ear and saying like, hey, you know, I understand that could be challenging. Right. Um, if you ever want to talk about it, I, I'm, I'm here to talk. But if, if not, that's okay too. Like, I love you and accept you as you are. I think just having, not using those words, but having right. that, getting that message, I think is important. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's also probably uh, terminology and things that you definitely shouldn't use. Mm-hmm. So just going back to terminology for a second. So words like hermaphrodite. Right. Um, so that's a common term when sometimes when I describe what intersex is to someone, they say, oh, you mean hermaphrodite? Mm. Um, hermaphrodite is not a, a universally accepted word. Right. Um, so and it's also the word hermaphrodite is not um, really. It's not usually actually medically or biologically accurate for those of us who have Mm -hmm. an intersex variation. So I would say don't use that term. Right. Um, If you yourself, if you yourself are intersex and you like that term, you want to, you know, reclaim that term to some extent and use that to describe yourself. Fantastic. I know some people who do, who say they're proud hermaphrodites, but I would say unless you yourself are intersex, um, I would not use that term, just as right. one example. Right. Um, I think there's also um, a lot of lessons that probably could be taken from um, other members of the LGBTQ, LGBTQIA mm-hmm. community or family, if you will, um, like lessons, um, things like using inclusive language. I think that's important. Um Uh, not making assumptions Mm -hmm. uh, about someone's identity, about uh, whether someone can or want to have children one day. I think that's another big one. Right. Um, Just, I would say, in general, just treating somebody with compassion, treating someone... Uh, with the same level of compassion, respect, and humanity as you would anyone. And just, you know, being a good listener, being supportive, and um, just trying to educate yourself so that you don't know or so that you don't make any of the big errors like right. using the word hermaphrodite. Right. Um, I think those are probably some of the key concepts. Yes. And get to know the person. Um, yeah, get to know the person as an individual. Yeah. Right. What it is yeah. that they because do and don't like to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's the case with, I think, any sort of variation, big or small, in anyone's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, let that person kind of take some direction or not take some. Let that person give some direction to you. Yes. As far as what they want to talk about, what they don't. Right. Yep. Good. So we will have the... Um, informational links and anything additional that you would like to share posted on this episode to make sure folks know where to go if they want to get more educated on this and possibly if you have uh, community links for those who may be seeking out someone to speak to would be great. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Uh, Noe, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank uh, you. To sit down and have this conversation. I think it's great. Um, Great information, um, and I love that you're 
you're sharing your experience and your knowledge that you've gained throughout. And yeah, I think it's great for the community that we have somebody like you to be the voice and a very solid educated voice folks. Like she is her, her TikToks are not just, Hey, blah, blah, blah. It's like really educated, um, citing even her resources. And <laughs> yeah. I, I, I try, I do my best. I, I may make errors at times, but I, I just try to be educated and informed. Yes. Yes. Which is great. Absolutely appreciate it. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for all you do. And thanks for having me on. Yes. Thank you. Absolutely. On this episode of Lesbian Speaking, I want to give a big thank you to Kelsey for showing your support and also Dini for your continued support. If you haven't yet checked out St. Norico, stnorico.com, also on Instagram, the most amazing teas. And of course, that's where you find the special Spokane blend. The teas are not just for drinking, folks. They're also for soaking in the bath. And she has some bath bombs, like anything that you need to relax at home with a nice book by the fireplace. Go check it out. St. Nord Co. And speaking of Patreon, I'm going to be starting something new. Anybody who goes into the new $1 tier will be entered into a monthly drawing to receive something here from Spokane Local. I'm thinking some beer glasses might be in order if I run around and I grab some beer glasses from around town for a monthly drawing. You guys set up $1 a month, gets you into that drawing, go and sign up. Maybe I'll post a little extra content for you guys too. Mm -hmm. So go check it out. Lesbian Speaking Patreon. I appreciate you guys. I appreciate your continued support. And until next time. For our episode ideas or to be a guest on the podcast, please send an email to lesbianspeaking at gmail.com. To support this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash lesbianspeaking. For $3 a month, you get a shout out. And for $5 a month, you get a shout out as well as access to an interactive chat with myself and other listeners. To place an ad on this podcast, please email lesbianspeaking at gmail.com. Lesbian Speaking can also be found on Instagram, so be sure to go and give a follow.